0: Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. And happy Thanksgiving! We are here for another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins, and I'm everyone's favorite turkey, Derek yeah. Diamond. We already have a quite a kerfuffle in the chat room because we <laughs> refuse to do Final Fantasy games.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were talking about this before we started. It, it's much more fun to just egg on the hate. Like if we if we review a Final Fantasy game, then we give in, we cave in. Yeah. to the the peer pressure to the hate if you will <laughs> so it's much more fun to say no we're not going to do it
0: well if you want me to do a final fantasy game there is a change.org uh petition um that the nerdcave retro community has been passing around on twitter and uh, i think rampage did it on uh facebook too so if you follow us over at, Ner- at nerdcave retro on twitter You'll, you'll be able to find the change.org pe- petition, I think. So if you want me to do it, you're going to have to do that. We need to get up to 99
1: signatures because I'm <laughs> saving mine for the 100.
0: Welcome, Farliston, to the chat room. Says his name's Farley. He's been listening to the podcast for the last month and went back and started at episode one and am now at episode 56. That is way too much of our voices for one month. You got to slow down, sir. <laughs>
1: uh, well, if you listen to any of my reviews, I say those those early reviews I did are the cure for insomnia, so maybe yeah. he has a sleep problem.
0: Hey, that's, but, uh, that's not a bad idea. Nate, the retro gaming dev who's been on the show before, said there should be a Patreon support level for it. If you get us to $100 a month, me and Derek will both review Final Fantasy games. For a month. <laughs> for a whole month, we will do nothing but Final Fantasy.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll flip-flop back and forth. Yeah,
0: if you want that to happen, I, $100 a month, there it is right there. Boom. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's very fair. We'll do it for a whole month. You'll get a whole month. You'll get Final Fantasy Month out of Nerd Cave Retro we
1: should do it the timing would be perfect if it was february because we could call it final fantasy february
0: yeah we could that's not a bad idea you have it till february to get us to a hundred dollars or you get the change.org petition to a hundred signatures whichever happens first <laughs> see you have options yeah you got options two are options are good. to get us there so yeah. derek you wanted to talk about and i wanted to talk about it too we both saw ghostbusters afterlife over the weekend and i'm dying to hear what you thought about it
1: so i i love ghostbusters i I admit i didn't grow up a huge ghostbusters fan i like the movies i've grown to appreciate them more as i've gotten older but like you and our good friend wally i've been really anticipating the new movie got to see it opening day the And I don't want to get into spoilers for those who haven't seen it, because I think you have to experience it on oh, your yeah. own. The last 30 minutes of the movie were perfection. Yeah. Perfection and, to me, what modern-day filmmaking is all about. It had the right amount of nostalgia. It didn't feel like it was on the nose or shoved in your face. Like I felt, thought it felt naturally into the story. And really what this movie did was it reminded me of why I fell in love with movies in the first place. Exactly. Not because of visual effects, because of good story and great characters. And McKenna Grace, who plays Phoebe, she's the main kid in the movie. This made her a star. She is going to be a star in Hollywood for a long time because of this movie.
0: Um, I feel pretty much the same way. I mean, the last thirty minutes of the movie is worth the price of admission alone. Um, and they do something in this movie, and I, I'm not trying. I don't want to spoil it, but if I mean, if you know, you know, um, there's a certain cameo in the movie that I have been, uh, not. <sighs> They've done things like this in the past, where I'm kind of like, ah, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, like it's 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 okay. But the way they did it in this one literally brought me to tears. Like it it was so tastefully done that I, I, I just like, man, this is what movies are for right here. Like the way I feel in this moment is what we go to the theater for. And if you haven't seen Ghostbusters afterlife, even if you're just a passing Ghostbusters fan, or you're not even really that much of a fan, I think you'll like the movie because it's not this huge it's a direct it's weird cuz they kind of pretend that part 2 didn't exist like they don't refer to it very much it's more of a direct sequel to 1 and what's happened over the last you know 36 years um but i like the smallness of the story it's more of a personal story than it is like this big grand you know big grand thing that the original ghostbusters was it's more of a you know, a nice, tight, personal story. And it felt like there was a lot of heart in it. And there's a lot of, like, family stuff and things that you go through as a human being. And there's a lot of character development. And there's so many characters in this movie that you get, that like, you want more from these characters. Like, I want to know more about this character. I wish there was, like... I wish it was a a series and not just a movie. Like I want to keep, I want to stay in this universe for however long it goes. Well, and
1: not to spoil it, but they do hint in one of the. There's two post credit scenes, and yeah. one they do hint that this story will continue. Yeah, which I hope it does, and it's it's done well at the box office, and it's well received enough that I think we will get another story after this.
0: The don't, and don't pay attention to the the critic uh reviews. Yeah. Cuz it's got like a 95% audience score. It's just you have to see it. You just have to go see it if you haven't seen it. Judge for yourself.
1: Yeah, I I had no real complaints about it. My my only thing and It wouldn't have fit as well into, I think, the overall story they were trying to tell. And this isn't really a spoiler, but I would have liked to have seen Paul Rudd be a little more involved. Yeah, because I think the advertising was a little misleading in the sense that he was featured a lot.
0: Yeah, and he was not in it for very long.
1: (laughs) He reminded me like he was this Ghostbusters version of Rick Moranis. Yeah, exactly. Is The the vibe that I got from him, but I, I thought he was great and what he did, I just would have liked to have seen his character a a little bit more, but the movie's not about him, but But, that you, what you were talking about that the certain cameo that happens, I was floored by one that it happened and two, like how well it was pulled off because you mentioned in the past that there's situations like this have been done in other movies where I was like, you know, I th- I thought it was cool, and then at times I was like, uh, this doesn't really look that good, or they could have done this a lot better, but perfect. The yeah. last as I mentioned earlier, the last 30 minutes of the movie are worth going to see it alone.
0: Exactly. Like it, it, like I said, just go see it. I it's my second favorite Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> it's pretty Agreed. Much. Yeah. Um b- but before we go into the news, you did want to talk about Home Alone, the new Home Alone movie. And I just have one question. Why? Why would you watch this? (laughs) So
1: you've heard that phrase about a car crash where it's like no one wants to look at it, but you can't really help yourself. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to a podcast and they were reviewing the Home Alone movie and they just ripped it completely to shreds. And I'm thinking there's no way this movie can be that bad. So I decided, you know, it's on Disney Plus, so I was like, I'm not doing anything, so I'll watch it. Man, was it bad. It was, so I, I love the first two Home Alone movies. I'm a kid of the 90s, so those movies were, like, right in my wheelhouse when they came out. Love them, watch at least one of them every Christmas. And the sad thing is, like, this movie had... Good talent, like it had, you know Archie Yates, who was great in Jojo Rabbit. If you haven't seen that movie, he's really good in it. It has, um, I think her name's Ellen Kemper. She plays Aaron in The Office. Mm-hmm. Also Rob Delaney, who I think is really funny. Those three are wasted in this movie, and I felt bad for them that they had to act out this material. But it, to me, it was a a very cheap. Rehash of elements from the first movie, specifically some that were very cringe. Were most of them were very cringe worthy, but it was like, do you remember the gangster movie that Kevin watches? Yeah, they do a a reboot of that that one of the family's watching, and the the guy even makes the comment. He's like, "Man, I hate these stupid reboots. Why do you try and remake the classics?" And I'm like, "You're in one, you idiot." God it's so there's no real hero or villain in this movie there's no real point to it you don't get attached to any of the characters to be honest i wanted the the bandits who aren't really bandits at all i wanted them to throw the kid off a balcony cuz he was an annoying little shit <laughs> that's
0: what just, i've heard was, about that movie is like the kid you just you want the bad guys to win
1: yeah like kevin yeah he's a brat at times but he has a certain charm to him and yeah. the, like the, the first two movies have heart like it's about you know appreciating your family yeah this doesn't have any of that and it <laughs> felt like just a cheap cash grab it like, people have got to stop and Disney's really bad at this they've got to stop thinking that remaking or rebooting stuff from the 90s is going to work because they tried it with the mighty ducks with that Disney plus series. And I did not like it really at all. It, it was just, it, Oh, it was bad. Don't, don't waste your time.
0: Yeah. I don't could waste rant for a while on Disney, uh, right now, but uh, with their, what they're doing with their properties, but I'm not going to. So
1: I, I will say this. It's the worst movie I've seen since the most recent fantastic four with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Uh.
0: So Touch Biloxi, I don't know where you got Home Alone 3 is the peak of the series, but we did not say that. <laughs> I don't I don't even remember Home Alone 3.
1: I've never seen any of the other ones besides 1 and 2. Me
0: neither. I remember I won tickets off the radio uh to see the original Home Alone, so my dad was forced to take me <laughs> to see it when I was a kid.
1: Oh, those move the first two are great.
0: I, I love, love those, those movies. movies. I watch yeah. them every year. Yeah why would you try to remake that why would you watch it why would you do that Derek why would you give them that number for you having watched that you're, you're I was, the reason hey, they're making hey, this crap
1: I was doing it for the people <laughs> that and I needed content for my new, uh, my new show page
0: hey, you're being punished go sit in a corner sir
1: uh, alright I'll turn my camera off right. no I'm kidding
0: <laughs> well, we're gonna go into the news what do you say let's do it Tonight's stories were submitted to us by you, the listeners. Specifically, tonight's stories by Armez Jackson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. For the first story, uh, it's from our favorite site, nintendolife.com. Wii U's getting a new game, and this will probably be the last. Uh, Ultra Dolphin Revolution, an indie developer that's been busy keeping the Wii U alive since the arrival of the Nintendo Switch, has announced that it plans to celebrate Wii U's ninth anniversary, 9 years old already, jeez, uh, with one final game called Captain U. The game is a 2D platformer that makes use of the console's dual screen capabilities, touchscreen controls, and motion controls, and is said to be a celebration of our Wii U games and our fans. Uh Being the uh, Ultra Dolphin Revolution, being the only developer that's committed to Nintendo's aging console, is pretty likely that this game will be the last to hit the Wii U eShop.
1: So this will be the best game for the Wii
0: U cuz yeah. it's the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I never played I don't even think I've ever touched a Wii U.
1: It it had a handful of good games, but the, the way I've always looked at the Wii U is that it was pointless to make. Yeah. Cuz you you mentioned We're up on the Wii U's ninth anniversary. March will be at the five-year anniversary of the Switch. Mm -hmm. So, not a very long lifespan by average console standards. With with the Wii U, like to Um, me, it was just that
0: half step between the Wii and the Switch.
1: Yeah, it it had a handful of good games, but that was really. About it, like you, if you went back and you looked at the Wii U, you could see it as being the almost the prototype for the Switch. I mean, good on Ultra Dolphin Revolution for you know being fans of this console and being dedicated to it until the very end. But I'll be honest, I haven't plugged in or touched my Wii U since the Switch came out.
0: And I don't think I will because of this. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they're going to be making a ton of money off of this.
1: Yeah, Touch Biloxi says Wii U was a very unfortunate half measure from Nintendo. It really felt that way. And I remember when that that console was announced because there was no real big launch title for it. Yeah. You know, you think you have like a, you normally like a big Mario game or a Zelda game. There was New Super Mario Brothers U, and that was about it. Yeah. And it was just, it was very, very weird. A very weird console, like a really weird launch, and just the whole run of it just felt completely unnecessary.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of Nintendo's MO when it comes to the console, the consoles that they make is like every other one. You know, they're kind of like the Star Trek movies. Every other one is good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Our next story also comes to us from nintendolife.com. Pac-Man Museum Plus brings 14 games in the series to the Switch. Celebrating the character's 40-year history, Bandai Namco has announced Pac-Man Museum Plus for Nintendo Switch and other systems. The game is a compilation of past titles, many of which haven't been available for years. Uh, there's a trailer that's. A, uh, attached in the article, but just a few of the games that are be released are Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man, Pac and Pal, Pac Land, Pac Mania, Pac and Time, uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition, Pac and Roll Remix, Pac-Man Battle Royale, and Pac-Man 256. And it's got several screen caps, and th- this does look pretty cool. If you're a Pac-Man fan. Well,
0: I'm definitely getting this just simply for Pac-Man Championship Edition because they haven't released that since uh, I think the Xbox 360 era. Uh, the only one you can get for the Switch right now is Championship Edition two, but dude, Championship Edition the first one isn't is enough for uh, is is worth the admission price alone for whatever they're going to charge for this. It doesn't say how much it's going to be char- uh, charged for this, but Championship Edition is still my favorite version of Pac-Man. The music was, it's one of the most satisfying games on the planet. dude. When you can get like a hundred ghosts like following behind you and then you get the power pellet and you just roll through all of them, it's the most satisfying thing in gaming. Yeah, I, you've
1: praised that game numerous times, and I've actually never played Pac-Man Championship Edition. So, uh, depending on the price of this, I may get it just for
0: that. What was so, the uh, <clears throat> was PacLand the? What was the uh, Super Nintendo one you reviewed?
1: That's uh, Pac-Man Two: The New Adventures. It
0: looks like it's on here. There's a screenshot that looks like that game, but I don't know. It doesn't say. That, yeah, it looks. It looks a
1: lot like it. Just with this looks like it would have been released for the NES. Yeah. But know. the but Pac-Man two the the graphics were a little little more improved than that. But
0: I still wouldn't want to play it though.
1: <laughs> no no it's it's not it's not a good game
0: yeah i'm getting but, it just for championship edition alone it's they've already sold a copy
1: i wouldn't think this would be all that much
0: i'm thinking probably 15 bucks like
1: 14.99 yeah if it's that i'll definitely get it like if it's up to say 20 then i would get it
0: uh touchablexy said the one with the house I, yeah yep yep like that mm-hmm. that little picture there. I've never seen that before. The only thing I could think that that looks like is what Derek was talking about Pac-Man. Was it called again?
1: Pac-Man 2 The okay. New Adventures. I can't
0: even remember the name of it. That's how insignificant it is to me. <laughs> <laughs> you like you just told me and it like rolled out of my head as soon as you said it.
1: I remember seeing that in a, uh, a copy of that in price busters years ago. I think it was either leading <laughs> up to, or right after I reviewed it and I sent a picture of me giving it a little bit of sign language. If yeah. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Touch see, It's called Pac-Man. The one with the house. <laughs> <laughs> the the title would have made it more interesting. Yeah. Uh, for the last story tonight, um, we're only doing a couple of stories tonight because we want to talk a lot about our review tonight that Derek's doing. Uh, for Halo, Combat Evolved. This is from NintendoEverything.com. Asteroids Recharged gets December release date and a debut trailer. It was first announced for Switch a couple of months ago and has secured a final release date. Publisher Atari, as well as developers Atom Vision Studios and SneakyBox Studios, announced today that the game is arriving on December 14th. It is a new take on the 1979 arcade classic, complete with an updated visual look. Composer Megan McDuffie is also on board for the game's soundtrack, which is inspired by the original's tense mood, but with a synthwave flavor. Now you're talking. I love me some synthwave. Uh, another feature is the inclusion of two-player simultaneous play. I'll play a demo of this that they have it, but um, I was never a huge Asteroids fan, but if this is a cool two-player game, I might have to look into getting this. It's
1: going to cost nine ninety nine. That's not bad. No, yeah, that's not, that's about what I would expect. I, I'm with you. I never really got into Asteroids. There's a lot of those games from that era that, like, I enjoy them, but yeah, it's kind of one of those things I didn't grow up with them. So I don't have that sentimental attachment like well, a lot of other people I do. I
0: had Asteroids for uh, the Atari 2600. I never played it in the arcade, and I know the arcade is the better version of that game, but it wasn't one of those games that I gravitated to. Like it just didn't even on like the Atari version. I never played it that often. Cause it's just kind of, I don't know. It's just kind of boring.
1: Yeah. I, I feel the same way, but I'm with you. If, if there's a demo for this, I'd be interested to try it, but this'll probably just be one that I skip. Yeah.
0: Hey guys, we got to tell you about B res coffee company
1: made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida.
0: No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. They can even add flavors to your coffee like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor.
1: If you like darker roasts like I do, then try the Critical Dark or Ku Slayer Mocha Roast or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man.
0: Do you know the Muffin Man? Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. Um, before we go into the review tonight, we like to do our Patreon shout-out. So, Derek, would you like to shout-out our lovely patrons over at patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro? Absolutely. We want to
1: shout-out axeblade 7 Daniel Salmon, uh, Armes Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Brandon Rutledge, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, Ron Johnson, Mixmaster, and Mike Eviland. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions. And you get fun access to our commentary tracks that we do. Or I should say early access to our commentary tracks like Clue, like Big Trouble in Little China. This month we'll be doing Toy Story, one of the most important animated films released in the last 30-something years. Yeah, we got to figure um, out I, a time
0: to do that this weekend.
1: We do. We're running out of days for the month. <laughs> It's one that, like, I I haven't watched this movie in years, but I can remember it like almost scene by scene oh, because yeah. of how many times I've seen. It. I remember still going to the theater, you know, opening weekend to go see that movie. But yeah, you get to also vote on some of our reviews every now and then. We post a poll uh, that you guys get to vote on for our review, whether it's a co-review, myself or Jason whatever the case may be. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head on over to patreon.com slash And if you're a new Patreon, be sure to send us your social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out. And now hit that beautiful halo music. Yeah.
0: Play some "Truth and Reconciliation." Sweet, I I still listen to that song. It's in my iTunes library. and I listen to it all the time.
1: I'm not gonna lie. Over the weekend, and kind of you know playing the game again, and just getting ready for the show, I found the soundtrack on Spotify. Yeah, and I listened to the whole thing. It's so good. And this game, and, and I want to get into just as much the experience of the game like as you know as much as the game itself because halo those who grew up with it like you you know how big of a deal this game became Mm -hmm. so halo combat evolved is a first person shooter game developed by bungie and published by microsoft game studios it was released as a launch game for microsoft's xbox video game console on November fifteenth, two thousand one. So we just had the twenty year anniversary of this game. It does not
0: and feel like twenty years.
1: It really doesn't. And I, I wanted to to kind of start by asking you, where were you November two thousand one? What what was the the state of Jason Robbins uh, when this game came out?
0: I was I was living with my roommate Phil, who was a, a professional skateboarder. And he had a PS2, and I was uh, I had just joined um, the band Fall as Well, and I remember at the time it was the Xbox had been out, this was probably around 2000, late 2001, maybe early 2002. Um, <clears throat> but I had gotten an Xbox from uh. Uh, I don't want to say who, <laughs> but I got it from someone who was in a very... Well, I'll just go ahead and say it. It was Todd Harrell, the bass player for Three Doors Down. They had uh, an endorsement with Microsoft, and he had like four or five Xboxes that they just gave him. So yeah, the rich just keep getting richer. When you're rich, people just give you stuff. So anyway, he gave me one of his Xboxes, and that's how I got an Xbox. And the first thing I did was went and bought Halo on my way home with that Xbox and played. I think I played for about 20 hours straight after I got it. Like, I didn't sleep for like two days.
1: I had no idea that I've never heard that story before. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Because he had, like, four of them sitting in the living room floor. And I was like, what are you doing with all these? He's like, they just send them to me. I was like, well, can I have one? Just, like, off the cuff, you know, like, can I just have one? He's like, sure. Like, okay. So I just snatched it up and put it in the car. That's amazing. Yeah. I got an X. My original Xbox that I got was free.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So I was a sophomore in high school. When the Xbox was released and I obviously, you know, like I I grew up with games and hearing about the Xbox coming out and seeing all the videos for this Halo game, you know, I knew it was going to be at least be good. I don't think any of us had any idea the long standing power that this game would have especially through the those first few years of the Xbox and the Xbox 360. We can say something can say different about, you know, Halo 4 and 5 since 343 took over, but that that Bungie run of Halo is one of the best runs of video games, I think. Definitely of modern generation, but I oh, think yeah. of all time.
0: Especially, I mean, Halo when Halo 2 dropped, it was almost like a religious experience because people yes. were waiting. I remember when Halo Two dropped, it, you know we were we would get together and do land parties, uh, and our good friend Wally Phelps uh, would be there for the land parties. We would bring four Xboxes and four TVs and hook everything together in the house. We'd go get pizzas, barbecue. We'd have uh, we'd have beer and sodas, and we would just play multiplayer all night long, like. At least once a month, we would get together for Halo night, you know, and just we would just all get together at someone's house and we would rotate whose house we would go to and just play Halo all night. And it was it was such a cool, fun experience to be with friends and, and just talking shit to one another <laughs> and playing Halo games.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the same with me, minus the alcohol. But um, <laughs> we would go to my friend Jonathan's house because he had this huge living room. And we would have at least, you know, 20 of us that would go over there. It would be we'd go Friday night. We'd have four Xboxes, each with four controllers. We would do the LAN parties like you had mentioned. We would play all night. Then we would all go home, kind of rest up. And then we'd go back <laughs> this Saturday night. And that that was our we do that pretty much every other weekend from the release of Halo from, you know, as long as I can remember, like there's so many nights that we would just consume Pizza Hut Mm -hmm. because that was all because I grew up in a really small town because Pizza Hut is all we had Pizza Hut Doritos Mountain Dew Mountain Dew Code Red was out at that point. And that was like that was like liquid gold at the time
0: out of me and Wally, like kind of our circle of friends that we had at that time, you know, we still talk, we still all hang out occasionally and we have things that, you know, we would say to one another, like when we killed one another, we would have things we would say that we still say to each other to this day. <laughs> you know, like it's, it was one of those things, like friendship building, like and I don't, like, I, I like being able to play games online, but I don't think you get that sense of like I don't know just being around one another like in the same room and just having that sheer joy of shooting your best friend in the head and you know making fun of him for 15 minutes afterwards
1: and God forbid if you do the infamous teabagging oh yeah
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I'm I'm guilty of that
0: and I because I were go did ahead. you ever get good enough with the handgun Because the handgun was the plain, just regular your sidearm in the game is so ridiculously overpowered. I mean, it's a one shot, one kill weapon, but being able to aim it and shoot it was, you know, the test. But if you could get good enough, all you needed was either the sidearm or if you were lucky enough to find the sword, then it was just like one shot, one kill.
1: Now, wasn't the sword introduced, that was in Halo 2, right? I,
0: I, no, I think the sword was in the original uh, original Halo. I'm pretty sure.
1: I remember it being a big deal in Halo 2, because it was even on the cover.
0: I could be mistaken, but With, I'm pretty sure it was in the original, because wasn't there a, a level towards the end where you actually got a sword towards the end? You might be
1: right, because in my... Recent playthrough of the campaign. I haven't gotten to that late yet, but to answer um, Rampage's question, I found a copy of the the Halo Anniversary Edition for the 360 for ten bucks at the video game trading post because I, I wanted to play like a physical copy of it, and I unfortunately didn't keep mine. The original Halo was for Xbox was only eight. But I figured for an extra $2, getting the Anniversary Edition with the yeah. updated graphics was well worth it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things that you mentioning the the pistol. I would I never got good enough at it, but it's one of those things like you have to have really good aim. Mm-hmm. But if you did, all you have to do is just get one headshot and you're, you're toast. There was
0: nothing worse than like running around and come around the corner and somebody pops you with the handgun and you're just instantly dead you're like you
1: oh (laughs) that would happen similar in halo 3 that was where i really got into xbox live yeah because you know we played the same core of friends we would play halo you know all throughout up until reach and halo 3 was where i had to get xbox live because i was tired of getting my ass kicked by everybody Mm -hmm. but uh my friend willis would he was really good with the sniper. So he would just automatically go find it yeah. and he would, you know, get, you know, get somewhere high. And then you'd never want to walk out. Cause as soon as you walk out, you just, you're, you're toast.
0: Yeah.
1: But there was something simple, almost simple about, you know, those original halo multiplayer maps. Like I still remember the one where you have the, the, the two, the two sides. Oh. You have this buildings where Blood you, gulch I'll never yep. forget Blood, Blood Gulch. Blood Gulch. <laughs> yep, that's it. Where it has the the thing at the front where it like launches you out into the field. Yeah. There's just something about you know, getting a group of like three people on a warthog <laughs> and just going ham on everybody.
0: Oh yeah. It's, if you're playing capture the flag and you're just like, you, Oh God. Like catch my, the flag. my buddy Pete. I always knew when he got the flag. Cause every time he would grab the flag, all you're he would just scream. I'm running. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, like that, that to me is what I remember about halo. Like the games themselves are great. And to me, they got better as yeah. cause I, I, I let, let me ask you this. What Halo to you has the best campaign, and which has the best multiplayer?
0: Well, the most memorable campaign to me, I mean, is obviously the first one because it was something we'd never seen. It was a long campaign too. I mean, it still takes what about about nine hours to get through it, probably. Um, And I remember the first time I played through it, it took me probably eighteen hours to get through it in one run. And it's, there's so many memorable things. Like it just be jumping into the warthog for the first time, you know, is, was one of those things you're like, holy crap. We're, I knew as soon as that happened, I was like, this is a new era in gaming right now.
1: Well, you knew then that it was something special. Yeah. Because we, we had sci-fi games before, but I don't think ever to that level where, you know, you see just the visual of the halo, you know, for the first time seeing master chief being brought out of cryo sleep Mm -hmm. for the first time. It's just so many memorable moments happen from that original campaign, you know, and then seeing the relationship build between master chief and Cortana. Are you excited for the, it's a little off topic, but we didn't really talk about the trailer that was released for the Halo series. Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. Really? Uh, so it's a very quick teaser where you just pretty much see Master Chief. And it's just Halo, the series, coming yeah. to Paramount Plus.
0: I'm honestly, I'm okay with that because they kept, for years, were are trying to make a Halo movie. I mean, even Peter Jackson was attached to it at once. I mean, that's the reason we got District Nine. This, the movie District 9 is basically all the props they were making for the Halo movie. And after it fell through, they, they made District 9 with all the you know, leftover props that they had. So, and I think it's a story better served as a series and not just like a one-off movie.
1: My only concern is this. Is it too late? I personally don't think so because I don't think so either. the the fans of Halo have waited long enough that I think now we that we've seen a trailer and that it's finally going to happen. Mm. I think it's going to do surprisingly well, I and think... it's 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 good for Paramount Plus because I, I it's not like the most regarded or well known streaming service. Yeah, but I I think you will have people that will get it just to watch Halo.
0: Well, I think Halo is still uh, um a well-known enough property. And, you know, Master Chief is still... He's he's the mascot of the Xbox. I mean, still to this day, it, it may not have had a Halo game for a while, but I still think of Master Chief when somebody says Xbox. So mm-hmm. I think it's still relevant enough to where... If it's a good enough story and it's a good enough execution, I think it'll do well.
1: Also, not to forget the voice of Master Chief himself... Is coming to Pensacon this year. Ooh, awesome! So, so that'll be there. There's some good video game related guests coming to to Pensacon. But something that I we've alluded to this a couple of times, but Halo is known a lot for its multiplayer, and we've talked about multiplayer a lot. But the campaign that stretches throughout the entire franchise is pretty damn good oh, all yeah. in itself. So uh, sorry, for those oh, who just
0: want to say, welcome to the chat room, the jagged show. First time chatter.
1: Here yeah, absolutely. Welcome, welcome jagged show. Good. You picked a good show to, to come to. Oh, yeah. So, you know, growing up, I, I was, you know, like loving Star Wars and other sci-fi properties. I was drawn to this game because of that setting. Yeah. But and going back and replaying the campaign, you just brought back a flood of memories from you know, remembering the first time that I played the campaign. So it takes place in the 26th century. Uh, faster than light travel called slip space allows the human race to colonize planets other than earth, the planet reach, which also plays a role later on in the series. Mm-hmm. Basically it, it serves as like a, a hub of military and science activity. And we follow specifically the United Nations space command, the UNSC, Which uh, they develop the super soldier program, also known as Spartans, which Master Chief is the most known and the best one out of them. Um, Basically, a a race of uh, aliens called the Covenant, they start a war against humanity. And following that war is the backbone of this campaign.
0: Yeah, it's a very, a lot of religious overtones, too, with the covenant and all that stuff. So it's kind of a blend of just so many different, I don't want to say tropes, but different, like, you didn't really get that where, you know, you normally think of humanity as being, like, you know, uh, like religious and, you know, things like that. But when you think of, like, what if there's a whole race of aliens and different species of aliens that are all... Under one like religious uh, banner, and they see the humanity as a threat. Like that's that's awesome storytelling.
1: Well, it's it's such a different twist too, because you mentioned when you think of religion, you think of humans and how religious some of us are. We never think of extraterrestrial life looking at humanity as a threat for that same reasons. Yeah. So it, it really adds something unique to the story and i'm kind of going back and forth on what i'd like them to do with the series like on one hand i would love to see an in-depth look at the development of the spartan program yeah but i also think if you just do a straight-up adaptation of the first game while also showing flashbacks of the development of master chief and the spartan program I think would be the way to go.
0: Well, not only that, but if they're going to do that, they have to incorporate a a way to tell the the fall of Reach, because that story, that was probably... I mean, Halo Reach is still probably my second favorite Halo game. Like, that game, just that story was so good, and it ended just heartbreaking. You know, like, you knew it was... It was the Rogue One of the Halo, <laughs> the Halo story.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. It's If you look at when the Death Star plans were stolen in Rogue One and how important that story was to the overall Star Wars trilogy or the whole saga, you got to look at Reach the same way. I think Reach has arguably the best story out of any of the games because the end is so gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. And the way the
0: game ended, I've never experienced the ending to a game like this before where you're basically like everyone's dead, you're still barely alive, and then it's just basically like you're on the surface of the planet and it's just like just try to survive for as long as you can. I mean, you're not going to be able to, but that's all you do is just keep trying like wave after wave after wave until you're finally until you finally just bite the dust. Yep. Oh, and I, I just now
1: realize the jagged show is the yeah. Emerald Coast fact checker himself. <laughs> Mr. Brandon Rutledge yeah, he is either way. I still stand by you picked a good show to come to. Yeah. But welcome, Brandon. Thank you for watching. But the the cool thing, and I also alluded to this earlier. What I liked about going back and revisiting the campaign was seeing the relationship develop between Master Chief and Cortana. Yes, because in a in a way they're forced to be together. Mm-hmm. Because when when you escape the the Pillar of Autumn, you're basically given Cortana, and you're like, here, take Cortana, go do this.
0: And Cortana, then- if if you've never played Halo, like if you if you're listening to this and you've never played Halo, like imagine Master Chief is sort of he's a super soldier, basically. He's like seven feet tall. Uh, he's wearing armor that weighs like, you know, three hundred pounds. He's like super strong. He's got uh, you know, like all kind of enhancements to its brain and everything, and and Cortana is basically like an AI that lives in his head and the suit basically
1: yeah yeah so it 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 makes i wouldn't call it quite an odd couple like comparing it to the show like i wouldn't go that far but their personalities do kind of clash a little bit or or if you would call an ai a personality i personally do and they sort of have
0: that weird sexual tension that yes, you get that, like, that too it's almost like sam and diane you know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that that's a, that's a great analogy actually but as you go throughout the game you do encounter the flood which is a basically like a parasite mm. in a way um yeah it's just going through it, it it has such a nice blend of you know like you get feelings from other sci-fi properties like a little bit of Star Wars, a little bit of Star Trek, but also in a way of it.
0: Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar like
1: Galactica, but it also stands on its own. Yeah, like I, I don't compare Halo to any of those, even though you can see elements of all of them.
0: Yeah, well, but, it's, but it's when sort I think of like, Halo, I think of Halo. It's sort of like the way you know Star Wars was, you know, a takeoff on like the, you know, because George Lucas loved. Um, you know the like the Flash Gordon series when he was a kid. So he grew up to make Star Wars, and then you could tell the people that made Halo loved things like Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica. So they sort of made the you know made their own thing. You know, it wasn't a movie, but it was still like the first real, I think, game I ever played, where like I was just so wrapped up in the story and trying to get through the game so I could see the entire story play out. You know, like, I, how many times did you play through the campaign on this game? I probably played through the campaign at least six or seven times. Same. I've
1: done that with all the other Halo games as well, because the story, like, to me, it doesn't get any worse as the series progresses. Like, you know, for the longest time... Halo Two was my favorite of the campaigns, yeah, well you had and the I,
0: introduction of the arbiter yeah and who was voiced by um uh oh crap, what's his name um oh crap what's there, his name i'm
1: I'm looking it up right now
0: uh d oh, no um ah. Let's
1: see Arbiter Halo voice actor uh duh, duh, duh. Keith David Keith
0: David yeah Keith David one of the greatest Del- voices in, vo- in in ever playing the, voice of the Arbiter and like you could actually play as the Arbiter in the second game so when you got to the the multiplayer for Halo 2 you had the introduction of being able to play the Arbiter so it was like it just kept getting better and better as it went along
1: Oh, absolutely, and I, I don't want to dive too much into the sequels because I know we'll want to review those. Yeah, at, at at some point, but there's something special about the original game. Like the the story plays out like a movie. Yeah, and that, that I think that was what was impressive to me because you, like you go back and you look at the graphics and you think, well, like they're not in sixty four bad. But they're definitely dated.
0: Well, I mean, you get but, that first cutscene. I mean, when I, when you first put the game in, you get that first cutscene of, you know, the Pelican ships, like, flying over, and, like, it's just... It sucks you in immediately. I mean, yeah, the, you go back to the original Xbox version, it's a little rough to look at, but overall, it still holds up pretty well.
1: Yeah, I and I, I think so, too. Like, it, it's not so jarring that it just takes you out of the game yeah but that was one of the first games that i really noticed like how well everything from cutscenes. so we've seen them in other games leading up to that point like the n64 playstation and whatnot but this was the one that to me felt like i was watching a movie yeah or like an episode of a sci-fi show it 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 was it was special and uh, you know the the memories that I take away from specifically the first Halo game are memories that, like when I think of playing video games with friends, these are the first that I think of.
0: Yeah. Well, honestly, I think if, if Halo had never been made, like Halo just didn't exist, the Xbox, I think, would not be what it is. Because if it wasn't for Halo, I mean, Halo was the 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 system seller i mean it was the killer yeah. app for the xbox because you know the, people were, back then you were like you heard about microsoft making a console and you're like really like microsoft you know the windows people they're making a console and we just didn't think much of it then but then it comes out and you've got this crazy cool game And you can link your Xboxes together, and you can play all in the same room. It's just, it was so, like, light years beyond what we had. I mean, you think, just like, what, a year before this, we were playing four players on one screen with GoldenEye. Like, we go from that to this. That was a humongous leap.
1: Well, that was what makes it even more impressive because you look at GoldenEye. We already had what we thought at the time was going to be the (laughs) the peak of multiplayer experience. But then you take Halo and it just changed everything, not just with the gameplay and the multiplayer itself, but the fact that you could link the consoles together. Like, oh, you could play with more than four people. You could play with
0: up to 16. That's why I think Halo and Master Chief are just as important to gaming as a whole as Mario like he's just as important as Mario because Halo changed the game like it just changed everything from then on
1: Yep and you so many people I'd love to hear you know some of the listeners stories whether it's in the chat on Twitter or Discord I'd love to hear everyone's Halo memories cuz I I everyone I think from our generation of gaming has to have at least one halo story oh yeah whether it was from the first one or even up to to reach or even you know halo four or five one day i'll go back and play halo four and five i played a little bit of four but it, it just it didn't it didn't feel right with it not being bungie
0: yeah if that makes sense I, yeah i is bungie making the new halo that's coming out i think I'm they not are or is it still three four three studios? Let's see. I want to say it's still three four
1: three. Okay. Let's see. Oh, Halo Infinite. Da, 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 da. No, it's three four three. Okay. I haven't played Infinite yet, but I, I've I've heard it's it's good.
0: Yeah. I, I as soon as I get a, a series uh, X or S, whichever one I get, um, I'm definitely gonna play the new halo cuz i want to jump back in there cuz i love the halo universe i love those games i even loved the uh, that was it halo wars that was like the real yep. time uh real time uh, mm-hmm. strategy um that they did like that game was just good like i love that universe
1: some are better than others but I, uh, to me none of the halo games that i've played have been bad
0: <laughs> rampage said he never played halo with friends said plus i didn't have many friends that's that sucks man because that was like yeah one of the biggest things about halo was being able to play like a, a, a land party with halo like that was the that was just great
1: yeah absolutely uh brandon says i remember playing a local custom match on halo 3 where one player was infected and had to kill the others yep i remember that mm-hmm. too Uh, The person that was infected kept asking for hugs and (laughs) games.
0: I remember Halo 3, too. You could make your own maps. And I spent hours making my own maps and uploading them to, uh, to the server. And just so many hours spent in the Halo games.
1: What was your go-to weapon in multiplayer?
0: I always tried to run for the sword or the shotgun. One of the two. Because I'm so bad at aiming in games, I have to have something with a spread, like a shotgun, because I'm not going to hit you with... You know, a si- If I hit you with a sidearm, is because I got lucky.
1: The shotgun was up there for me, too. I, in Halo 3, I liked using the dual pistols. Because that yeah. was like the coolest thing. Whenever you could pick up two weapons Ooh, at the same time, the
0: needle gun was good too.
1: Yeah, needle gun was fine. Because you
0: could always kill somebody. You could get an after death kill. Because as long as you you stick them with a bunch of needles, they could kill you. But then they're still gonna die because those needles are gonna explode. That's another thing I wanted to talk about real quick in this in this game was the amount of weapons, different types of weapons that were in the game. Never been done to this extent, I don't think to this point. it was just you know your your pistols, your sidearms, your sniper rifles the you had the the covenant weapons like the uh you know you had the sword, you had the needle gun, you had all these different type of you know you had plasma, plasma rifles plasma rifles, all the different type of guns and just depending on what your play style was, there was a weapon for it
1: my favorite and you might laugh at me when I say this. I love the plasma grenades.
0: Oh, you stick it to someone's just, head! <laughs> oh, absolutely.
1: That was my one of my favorite things to do in multiplayer is just get some plasma grenades, run right up behind somebody, and yeah. just and then just run.
0: That was another cool thing about this game was using grenades. I don't remember getting to use grenades in any games before this.
1: Not that I can remember playing, no. My, mm-hmm. my, my other thing that I would like to do whenever I would use the sword, and I did this mostly in Halo Three. This was a little bit of my trademark. But whenever I would try to sneak up behind somebody and just, you know, stick them in the back, mm-hmm. and I would do it, I would just go, "Shh." <laughs> <laughs> we, we, my friends uh, we and I, we, t-
0: me and Wally and my buddy Pete and all of us, uh, we still say this thing to one another. You remember, um, what was that movie? Uh, Was it not Monster, but it was the one with Halle Berry and um, uh, what was his name? Um, The guy that was married to Angelina Jolie, the weird guy. Oh, um, uh, Monster's Ball. Yeah, Monster's Ball. When she's on him on the couch, she's like, make me feel good. Like... (laughs) We, every time we would kill each other, we'd go, oh, make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> we still say that to each other to this day, like, make me feel good.
1: <laughs> oh, that made my side uh, hurt. I'm not going to lie.
0: Because <laughs> that movie was, like, brand new at the time. So, so, yeah. So, like, when we all saw it, and I don't remember who did it first, but every time we'd kill somebody... <laughs> We would say that.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Uh, Hey, it won Halle Berry an Oscar. Yeah,
0: yeah, it did. Yeah, so... So you'd get um, knifed in the back and all you hear is, make me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's great. Uh, Uh, We
1: we didn't have really any catchphrases uh, like that that I can remember. It was just... and, And every group had this...
0: We all talk shit. And the team killing, you could kill your own teammates. We had this guy who was a who, these two brothers uh, that would come over. And (laughs) one of the brothers would, he just didn't care. He would kill anybody that came across his path. And um, he would just all you'd hear you would get killed and like all you'd hear the announcer go team killer or something like that. And you'd hear him over there going <laughs> 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 or something like betrayal. Yeah. Betrayal. That was the other oh, cool thing was the voice.
1: Yep. Yeah. Another thing that I can remember, this was a halo three thing, but um, you remember the rocket launcher?
0: Oh, oh i love the rocket launcher
1: i would love to do so in halo 3 you could do like certain weapons only we would put only the rocket launcher and it was just we would pick the smallest map oh, and yeah. it would just we used be to do the mass same chaos thing.
0: <laughs> we used to do the same thing whatever the smallest map was and just fill it with rocket launchers
1: half the time whenever we would do teams i would get the rocket launcher and if regardless of whether we win or lose right before the match would end, because there's that little bit of dead time, I would just turn around and shoot one of my yeah. traits. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, there's so uh, many good times had in Halo multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, far listed in the chat says, Off topic, whatever happened to Wally for Congress? I, I think Wally is still planning on actually running for the, for Congress when it comes up for uh, election. I think in, what, 2024? Four is the next one. Yep. So we'll see what happens.
1: Whenever he's ready, he just needs to call me and I'll start putting his campaign videos together. Yeah. (laughs) The People's Congressman. But yeah, I mean, there were,
0: we had so many, so many good times playing Halo. Like, as it's probably the one game in my life where I have the best memories of playing a video game.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, like I said, when I think of playing multiplayer, this is the first game that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. W- without, without a shadow of a doubt. But I, I will say anybody who has an Xbox that has the ability to go back and play the original Halo, go through the campaign again because mm. it's... I think all the campaigns, I don't want to say they get an unfair rap, but I think the multiplayer is just so good that that's what a lot of people play it for. Yeah. And not the campaign. But the campaigns are worth going back and revisiting. I like,
0: think if you've never played them, they're definitely, you know, Halo 1, 2, and 3 are definitely worth your time to go back and replay those campaigns if you've never played it. Because the story's so good, and it's it'll mm-hmm. keep your attention. Like, it's not one of those games where you're going to kind of wander off and be like, I don't want to play this for a day or two. Like, you're going to be like, oh, crap, I got to go to bed. Eh, I can stay up another hour. Next thing you know, it's like 14 hours later and you're still playing.
1: Yep. I remember going to the midnight release of Halo Reach, and we played that game until probably like 6 or 7 in the morning.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Threw my sleeping schedule out of whack for a while, but it was <laughs> worth it. But uh, I, we got to talk about the the reception that this game got because it was one of the best reviewed games like of that time easily. Uh, it was uh, praised as the most important launch game for any console ever and commented, GoldenEye was the standard for multiplayer console combat and it has been surpassed. I actually agree with that. I Halo, to me, is a better multiplayer game than GoldenEye.
0: Yeah. Um, way, way far beyond GoldenEye. Yeah, like, GoldenEye was, was good for the time, because it was just fun to play. But like I said, going from that to Halo was just light years.
1: It, it was like the Wizard of Oz, like in GoldenEye. And not to not GoldenEye, because GoldenEye multiplayer is great. But it's like the beginning of wizard of oz when everything's in black and white and when you walk into halo yes. <laughs> everything turns into color
0: i have never heard a better analogy in my life <laughs> between those two games cuz that was that that time period is where you went from the weird kind of you know that weird blocky not great graphics you know the uh, to what we have now, like they're still kind of rough in the early Xbox days, but like that leap from you know the Nintendo sixty four era, the PlayStation one era to the Xbox and the PlayStation two, like that was, I think the biggest leap in gaming was that era.
1: Absolutely, but uh, Eurogamer gave it eight out of ten. Edge gave it ten out of ten. Gamespot nine point seven out of ten. GameSpy 80 out of 100. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, IGN 9.7 <laughs> out of 10. And uh, IGN rarely gives out like perfect scores mm-hmm. or like anything even close to that. And uh, I will say this as far as my number score, and I haven't played the full campaign in a long time, but I still have pretty vivid memory of it between that, the, the endless replayability. Of the multiplayer. Yeah. I would give the game a nine and a half. And I'll only say that because I do think the sequels are better. But Halo 1 still stands the test of time. It is to me the modern standard bearer for multiplayer.
0: Oh yeah. It it set up the I think if you wouldn't have had Halo, we wouldn't have like Fortnite. And you know yeah. the big battle royales because I feel like Halo was kind of the original battle royale. I mean, I know it was only sixteen; you could only do sixteen players at a time, but that's still like sixteen players was huge at the time for having that many people in one game. Even though you're all it wasn't online till later, but you know it, it's still like to have that many people to being able to play at one time in the same game was groundbreaking.
1: Rampage says all the Halo games are on Game Pass.
0: Yeah, I, as soon as I get an Xbox series, like I said, S or an X, whatever I can get my hands on first.
1: Yeah, and uh, Farliston asks, what game does everyone think was instrumental for PlayStation success?
0: For PlayStation we, success?
1: Brandon says Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it was pretty exclusive to the PlayStation, so, you know, those those Final Fantasy games.
1: I mean, as far as, like, mainstream recognition, I mean, Crash was already kind of done by that point.
0: I think the Uncharted series, really, I mean, everybody, did they they even put out an Uncharted for PlayStation 2? I don't think so. I think it was just the PlayStation 3.
1: Yeah, I think it might have just been 3.
0: The, um, the God of War series was pretty huge. Yeah. Because when I think Let's of the see. original PlayStation, like the only game that really comes to mind is Crash Bandicoot. Because I, I, there were so many games for the PlayStation. I don't really feel like they had like a flagship game until the PlayStation 2 era. Yeah, Tomb Raider. I, I would say probably Tomb Raider. Yeah, Ramp- that's. Rampage said Tomb Raider. Yeah.
1: I think that that might be the winner.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think like, Tomb Raider was probably the, 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 she was definitely like Tomb Raider was definitely the precursor to games like Uncharted and things like that. So, you know, it was, it was pretty big. I remember Tomb Raider being pretty huge at that time.
1: Yeah, same. I never got into those games, but God, I remember seeing the commercials for them all the time.
0: Yeah. I think I agree with you. I mean, the original Halo, like you said, the the later game, it gets better as it goes along. Um, but I, you know that original game with the multiplayer, the the campaign, it definitely deserves a nine point five. Uh, and you may not be able to go back and play the multiplayer the way we played it back in the day, but it's still it, there were so many good memories associated with that.
1: Oh, one hundred percent. But, but we'll agree. always have them forever.
0: Oh, yeah. And if you missed it, if you're too young or you just never got to play, you know, in a room full of people, play, play a multiplayer, it was just, it was, it was a time in gaming that was just, we'll never experience that again, I don't think. And I don't know, I'm just glad I was there for it. I'm thankful. You know, for, for Thanksgiving, if we we're saying the things we're thankful for, I'm thankful for being able to be there at that time for, for this that era in gaming.
1: Well, and that's something that I'm grateful for, also, is that, you know, I, I think even though, like, you know, you're nine years older than me, but we're still of kind of the similar generation of gamer where, like, yeah. I, I think I was at the tail end of that generation of physically being in the same room with someone playing a game yeah. like a Halo or a Smash Brothers or Golden Eye, you know, that. So I, I, I have very vivid memories of, you know, my last couple of years of high school and even into early college playing those types of games. Yeah. And it's just a different experience and playing online is great because you can play with someone from California or Wisconsin, Mm. New York, wherever the case may be. But there's something about have beginning in a room with a bunch of friends and all looking at the same screen and playing against each other
0: and facing your TVs away from one another, so <laughs> you can't see no what each screen watching, doing. no screen watching. <laughs> but yeah, I like I said, I had so many good memories with it. Halo was the game that really yanked me back into being a gamer, and I've been a gamer ever since. It's just one of those, it's one of the greatest games of all time. There's no getting around that. Oh, absolutely
1: one of the greatest and one of the most important.
0: Yeah. And it may not be your cup of tea. You may not be a a fan of like first person shooters. You may not like science fiction, but you can't deny the impact that halo has had on the industry since it came out.
1: I would go as far as to say it's one of the five most important video games of all time.
0: Absolutely. Right up there with super Mario brothers, Pac-Man, you know, it's, it's definitely in that slot as one of the most important moments in gaming. 100 percent but uh but i think that's gonna close out our discussion of halo this week this was fun i know it's fun
1: to go back and look at all these fun memories
0: so. i would still love to do a, a halo round table and bring in like wally and uh anybody yeah. else who who pl- got to play the multiplayer uh you know land parties back in the day and just relive some of those memories that oh absolutely then. yeah but, uh, but anything, uh, you just had the last episode of the Derek Diamond experience the other night. So how does it feel to bring a show that was seven years in the making to finally to a close?
1: Um, it was a little surreal. I'm not going to lie. Like I've known for you know, over a month when the last show was going to be. But I touched on it in the kind of the closing moments of the episode. But in a way, that show was a part of me. -hmm. Because I've been so attached to it for so long. Like I've been doing it for, you know, almost a third of my life, which is kind of crazy to think about.
0: It's crazy. Like we've been doing this show, you know, for five years now. And this show is such a central part of my week and my life. Like I don't know what I would do without this show.
1: And funny enough, and I don't know if, you know, people might know this, but my show was the reason you and I met.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like that, that show. You were one of the first guests here. on my show.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's, if it's not the, it's gotta be one of the longest running shows in our area. Oh yeah. Cause it, it went 336 episodes. Yeah. So, but on one hand, I'm also excited to, to launch the new show in january i've got what i feel like are some pretty good ideas with it um some that i'll discuss with you off air that i think will be i think it'll be a lot of fun there will be some similarities with from the Derek diamond experience but it's also going to be different it's going to be much more audience interactive yeah uh, which is what i've been trying to do with you know building the social media channels and posting more stuff and just kind of get more conversation yeah. going. So
0: well you've made it pretty easy for the listeners of Derek Diamond Experience to to make the jump over to start following uh feature presentation feature pres- which is the new which is at mm-hmm. what at feature pres pod. Yep. On um, all all yeah. social
1: media channels.
0: And you've already got a ton of followers. I'm I'm impressed.
1: The I've still got work to do with Facebook and Twitter, but with Instagram, I've already reached six hundred followers. Yeah, I don't think we have that on on Instagram. Which um, I it's gonna take some work, but you know I I my goal is for that to be at a thousand by the time the show launches.
0: Yeah, Instagram is a weird beast, man. Like sometimes I'll post stuff on the I try to post pretty regularly on the Nerd Cave retro uh instagram site and sometimes the, it, the posts do really well and sometimes they barely get anything so i don't i don't get the algorithm over there i just don't get it
1: as that's kind of how i am with twitter like i like twitter i like posting stuff on it but it, it's a combination of i struggle to get followers it, the um the spider-man thing i posted the other day got a you know some good engagement but yeah. It's it's still stuff that I'm figuring out, and I've been in a way relearning a lot of podcasting, marketing, and things like that. Because you know, when I started the Derek Diamond experience, like podcasting was still really new, yeah. And a lot's changed since then. So I've been doing a lot of research and everything. So I've got the first episode already mapped out on what I want to do. It's just. Yeah, it's just actually doing it. So, <laughs> well, take um, a
0: break for a little bit before you before you do that. Rest up a little bit and then come in fresh.
1: Yeah. So the the first episode of that will launch uh, January fifth of next year, and I, I'll be revealing stuff like what I'm going to be talking about, who you know my guests are going to be, and everything. So, um, it, it'll be it'll be a jam packed show, and then from there it'll you know go on. Uh, every Wednesday, so awesome. A lot, a lot of fun stuff planned. So if you want to follow it, it's at Feature Press Pod on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'll be launching a Patreon on January first. Cool.
0: Um, I want to let everybody know I, I didn't forget about putting up a pop, pop culture palette episode on the Patreon. Uh, if you haven't heard yet, um, our patrons are going to get archived episodes of the Pop Culture Palette podcast. That included me, Mr. Wally, the official fact checker, Mr. Wally Phelps, uh, comic book artist Steve Scott, and uh, gamer Steffi Lou, who was my old show before, you know, the the well, we were still doing it during Nerd Cave Retro, but I shut it down a couple of years ago. Um, We did about a hundred and something episodes, but... Uh, about once a month, I'm going to start re- uh, releasing old archive episodes of the Pop Culture Palette. So if you want to get those, you're going to have to be a Patreon supporter, even at the dollar level. You're going to get those once a month, and uh, I'll I will release one of those this weekend.
1: Fantastic! No, I I loved listening to Pop Culture Palette that, back in the day, and we
0: had I, that, we had you one <laughs> Pop Culture Palette yep. back then.
1: We we did like a yearly Nerd Cave slash yeah. <laughs> PCP crossover that was. they were all a lot of fun. That
0: was always so, fun to do.
1: Yeah, I we had like, well, like six or seven people. Yeah. On the show and it was <laughs> a little chaotic, but the fun kind of chaotic.
0: Yeah. Now I might actually release that one as the first one I'll, I'll re-release. I'll well, that
1: that that'd be a good one. I even the the intro I came up with for feature presentation was in a way inspired by the old pop culture palette intro.
0: Yeah, I still love that intro. I might try to uh, incorporate that intro into the Nerd Cave retro <laughs> intro maybe.
1: I love the music. Like I I always tried to find what music track you used, but like, I, I the music it. was just so catchy. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Yeah. It
1: was really catchy. I liked it.
0: But uh but yeah, um uh I do the Open Micers podcast too at Open Micers. On um, Twitter and Instagram, we just did our Thanksgiving episode earlier tonight. That will release Friday morning for the general public. And um, we've had a couple of hostful episodes the last couple of weeks because some of our um, uh, guests either were late or (laughs) we couldn't figure out technology, couldn't figure out technology. So um, we've had a couple of hostful episodes in a row. So go check out Open Micers over at, at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. And is there anything else before we get out of here tonight? Uh,
1: I don't think so. Just hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy your food coma. Yeah, and uh, yeah,
0: just have a good
1: weekend, and we'll be back
0: here next Wednesday. And uh, to answer Farlesson's question in the chat room, will and I, I did want to let everybody know this too: um, Will the Derek Diamond Experience episodes be deleted? No, they will not. Now that uh, Derek has also take taking the show over to anchor.fm like we have here at nerd cave retro, even if you pod fade or, you know, stop the show or whatever you do, it'll still be there in perpetuity. It's not like uh, back when we were in the Libsyn days where you stopped paying the, the monthly fee and they yank all your stuff off the internet. So yeah, they'll uh, still be I, there.
1: I will say this for, because um, we had talked about this, you know, off air for the feature presentation Patreon, I'm going to be posting archived episodes of shows that I previously did back in like 2013 to 2015, which includes old episodes of the Nerd Cave podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, My friend Zach and I, we hosted a comic book podcast that ran for like 20 or 30 episodes. Um, I did a wrestling podcast back in like 2016. So I'll be posting all kinds of, fun stuff and i'm i'm working on doing a patreon exclusive show uh what that's going to be i'm not entirely sure yet but still got time to figure that out
0: yeah so that that was i i know we did it at the very beginning of the show but that's also a plug for anchor.fm because they are supporting the show and uh yes. if you have a, if you're gonna do a podcast or you have a podcast already Anchor.fm is like the best, is absolutely the best place to to host your podcast right now. So easy. Yeah. And it, like I s- if you have a podcast already, all you got to do is take your RSS feed and plug it into the little thing there. It says put your RSS feed here. And they literally do all the work for you. You, you don't have to do anything else, it takes care of everything. So if you want to do that, or if you even want to start your new show, go over to Anchor.fm and uh, create a, an account over there. And you can also Absolutely. go over there, create an account, and you can leave us messages uh, over at, at the anchor.fm slash retro page. You can leave us voice messages over there. It's awesome. I love Anchor.
1: Yeah, it, it's so much easier to use than... Because I've used more than one podcasting site mm. in my... I guess you'd call it podcasting career. But um, Anchor's been by far the easiest one to use. It's so easy to post an episode, mm-hmm. to post a description... Artwork, whatever you need to do.
0: Oh, and I did want so to say a, before we go, I was looking at our analytics the other day. Um, you know, like eighty percent of our listeners are in America, but a, the next one down is eleven percent of our listeners are in India. So, want really? to say hi to all of our Indian listeners that are listening right now. I don't, I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but you guys like the retro games, and I love it.
1: <laughs> so, As- It's interesting because with the Derek Diamond experience, the second most popular one was Sweden. Really? (laughs) Yeah. People like me in Sweden. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it.
0: Awesome. Well, um, well, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. And I do want to say thank you all. It is Thanksgiving. And I want to say thank you to everybody who listens to this show. Thank you for following us. Tell your friends about the show. If you have any gamers in your life that are looking for a podcast to listen to, send them our way. And on that note, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're at Facebook.com slash Retro and Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro. Individually at JFunktastic and at Dirk underscore Diamond. I almost said Dirk again. I don't know why I'm doing that. Ever. Dirk Derman <laughs> at Derek underscore Diamond. Uh, our merch is available at ncrmerch.com and we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Retro. and if you can't give us a buck a month, you can't support us that way, we understand times are tough. Go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about.
1: Gobble gobble.
0: Yeah. Master Blaster runs by the town.
1: You blew it!